a lot of the time when we're, we're confronted with a dilemma, what do we think? How should I respond? What is the best response? When sometimes, you know, somebody might think, how would my mum want me to respond? How would my father want me to respond? But how many of us think, how does Allah want me to respond? And that's a very, very powerful factor once you are able to do that. But you have to be able to think at that point in time before you send a response, before you respond that, what does Allah want me to do here? All the time, I, you know, the last time it happened, I apologized. The Prophet did say that the person who starts off the salam, who tries to reconcile, who drops an argument, is the better of the two. Right? Uh, that's the hadith, that, that's what we get from the hadith. So that's why I'm going to do it. Shaitan will say, no, but you're always apologizing. Let them apologize one day. You're spoiling them. Maybe you are, I don't know. In some cases you might be, so don't spoil them. You know, you do have, you can give a response once. But can you see how it's such a powerful factor? It's such a selfless, uh, it allows a person to think uh, higher than oneself. And if both spouses can start doing that, then it's beautiful. And you can tell them, this is the reason I'm doing this. I'm doing this for the sake of Allah. Right? Not in an argumentative tone, but saying, look, this is what I'm going to do because this is what Allah wants. That's how you teach somebody else to do the same thing. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad. وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَبَارَكَ وَسَلَّمَ تَسْلِيمًا كَثِيرًا إِلَىٰ يَوْمِ الدِّينِ أَمَّا بَعْدِ Imam Harith al-Muhasibi rahimahullah carries on with his advices. Uh, the last time we discussed the benefits of knowledge and taqwa and abandoning excessive uh, thoughts and ideas and things that are beyond our needs was the best thing to remove any kind of confusions in the mind. And Wala anwara, the next part he says, Wala anwara lilqalbi min salamati sadr. There's nothing more illuminating for the heart than a you can say a clear heart. What that means is that just clear the heart from all forms of undue griefs and concerns and um, inquiries, curiosities. And that will allow them to be less occupied by mundane pursuits. So if I, and it's absolutely true, when you start a new project or something, you need to learn about the project. And you need to make decisions, you need to find out about things. These are essential things. Let's just say you need to do a repair in your house or buy a new car or something. You can't, because of the choices which are out there right now, you're, you're forced to make a decision. Before when you needed something and there was only one product available and that met your needs, that, that was it. There was no thinking. You just needed to go and get the right size and halas, it was done. But now in nearly everything, there is the absolute basic, there's the okay, there's the better, and then there's the best. And then what's confusing is that it's not labeled like that either. 
it's you'll get things that are that is that are made in an inferior quality but they call it themselves heavy duty uh, professional and adds huge amount of confusion so how do you get something because you don't want to have to keep getting things and let it break pricing is a factor and so on it just causes a huge amount of concern and it's a I don't know if what the benefit of the time is spent in doing that. Now, that's actually for a need. You're trying to get a need. You're trying to fulfill a need here. Where there's no need and you're just getting involved in other people's affairs, then that's even worse. So just interest in finding out what people are doing and where they are, why they're doing something, um, how they did something, where they're going, what are they buying? Uh, what's the issue with them? Why aren't they coming? SubhanAllah, absolutely got nothing to do with it. There's no ultimate objective with any of this except just the appetite, maybe even addiction to know, the obsession with knowing something. Imagine how much of that is going to be filled in the mind. And that occupies the mind. Our mind, obviously, um, is limited in terms of how much it can think. So if we're occupying our minds with just mundane ideas like that, then how does it have a chance to focus in prayer? Because if our mind is occupied with thoughts, then even in namaz, even in salat, which is where the shaitan comes with even a higher attack, he wants to remind us of things. And if we're in, he's going to remind us of interesting things because things that interest us, things that occupy us, right? Because he knows us. He knows what gets us going. So he's going to remind us of things like that. So you're praying in Salat and you're standing maybe even in the masjid and you're going to see somebody and then you're going to start thinking about them. So that's why you got the hadith of the Sahabi where the Prophet just made a statement. He said, there's going to be a person who's going to come in right now and Allah loves him and he loves Allah and his messenger. So everybody is wondering who is this person? And then suddenly this non-discrepant individual, not very well known, he comes in. So I think it's Abdullah ibn Umar or Abdullah ibn Umar, one of the two, takes an interest in that to find out what his secret is. Why is he beloved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and why does he love Allah? So he decides to go and stay with him for a few days. He invites himself into his house like, I need to stay somewhere. And uh, so he stays with him. He doesn't see him doing much extra except his obligations. And some tasbihat, I think, it's not much extra that he thought he was going to do some huge amount of additional devotions. So after about two, three days, he decides a bit dejected, like, what was so special? So he then finally just asks him, that I didn't really have a problem at home. I just wanted to find out because this is a statement of the Prophet So the person couldn't even think for himself as to what was so special about himself. But then he did remark, he says that at the end of the day, I clear my mind of everything. I clear my mind of any of these vain pursuits, these vain concerns about others that don't, that, that don't relate to me. And you know, when you start doing that, you have so much more time for useful things. Otherwise, you just get so bogged down in your mind. It's fatigue, it's mental fatigue, brain fog. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. We, we don't have the capacity. It's not human capacity to worry about that. Yes, if you want to worry about everybody's affairs, then get yourself elected to be the, the prime minister. Then that becomes your responsibility. 
right, or the counselor, or the governor, or whatever it is, you know, on some, some level of authority, then that is your concern. You'll be rewarded for it. You'll be maybe even be paid for it. You'll be rewarded for it. It's your task, you, it's your obligation afterwards to, f to concern yourself, to travel at night and to find out what's going on and whether people need anything, if there's any needy ones or whatever, you know. And of course, if you, even if you're not in a point, uh, even if you're not in a place of authority, you can still do that for the right purpose of trying to find out, not for the sake of curiosity, but to actually try to find out if somebody needs something. I see that guy, he um, seems like he's a bit dejected in trouble. Let's go and find out so I can help him. And then to actually have some constructive ideas of assisting somebody. I think if somebody really, uh, you know, because there's people who just have this predisposition to do that. They're addicted to this stuff. So I'm giving you a way that if you are addicted to this kind of stuff, then do it for the right reason. And don't spread people, don't do it for gossip, don't do it just so that you, you are increasing your, your deposit, your, your balance of juicy things that you can speak about at your next meeting with somebody, right? Do it for the sake of finding out. There's always a good thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made nearly so many things, uh, you can take it in the wrong way or the right way. Many criminals, they, they are very smart. They could have had PhDs, they're very smart criminals, you know, they know how to... Uh, run a whole scam. They're, they're very intelligent. They could have had PhDs. Uh, there's many other people who know a lot of information about us. They could have been a Hafiz of the Quran. They've remembered so much about everybody's affair. They'll tell you the histories of everybody in that area for the last 20, 30 years. Everything. I mean, they could have been a Hafiz of the Quran, but, or even Hadith. But it's just used it in the wrong way. So here, I'm trying to give you a call that if that you are like that, you've got a quality. Just use it in the right way instead of the wrong way. So that's why he's saying, it's just, I've not seen, he says, anything more illuminating for the heart than a safe heart. Salamatu sadr. Keep it salim. Keep it safe and secure from all of these bad thoughts, confusing ideas, unnecessary uh, notions, and so on. And then some dhikr will really benefit. When we then do dhikr because we've got no other concerns like that, that's in the best heart. I, uh, we were just visiting one of my classmates uh, from when we graduated. Um, I see him once in a while. Uh, he doesn't have any children. And he has a schedule, right? He doesn't, he's not, he doesn't, he, he doesn't, he, he's not concerned about anybody else in the sense that he just sticks to himself. He does his four or five hour shift in the morning at some, uh, in, in some store comes back home, rests for a while, teaches in the afternoon, sleeps early, wakes up at half past three, does his tahajjud, does his Quran reading, goes to work, regular schedule, no concern in the world. Right? No concern about, you know, no unnecessary concern about anybody else. So subhanAllah, what a, what a safe life he has. Now, if you don't like, uh, if you think that's boring, that's fine, but then just use your, whatever Allah has given you, or whatever you think you have, use it for the good instead of the bad. Just don't do useful, useless things. It's going to be very difficult for some people to avoid that. But you will have a much more illuminated heart. Then he says, I've seen the honor of the believer in his taqwa, in his God-fearingness. If somebody is God-fearing, that's when the person is going to become ennobled. Because inna akramakum عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ This is from the Qur'an. That the most noble among you 
is the one who is most God conscious. God consciousness means that whenever you do anything, you do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by recognizing Allah's presence that He is there. So it's supposed to be a protective aspect and it's supposed to be an incentivizing notion as well. Incentivizing in the sense that this is what Allah wants me to do. I see somebody in trouble. So I need to go and try to assist and help and be of guidance. Or I see that this is bad for me to do, so I should avoid that because Allah doesn't want me to think that way. Allah doesn't want me to get involved. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want me to do that. Taqwa is literally... The only way you can have taqwa is the more we understand Allah and the more we develop a relationship with Him. Then we don't want to upset Him and we want to make Him happy. So then we're going to do what's, what we think that He likes and He wants from us. That's taqwa. And that's why he's saying that and if any person who does that, other people will notice that on them. That this person is that because when you have taqwa, real taqwa, you become selfless. Because it's not for selfish reasons you'll do that. Give you an example of a husband and wife a relationship. The three verses that are recited in the khutbah about taqwa. And I used to always wonder why about taqwa. But taqwa is the secret ingredients to keep them together because the, it removes selfishness person becomes selfless because they're thinking that okay she's done that to me or he's done that to me how do I respond how do I respond what is Allah how does Allah want me to respond right? a lot of the time when we're, we're confronted with a dilemma what do we think how should I respond what is the best response when sometimes you know somebody might think how would my mom want me to respond how would my father want me to respond? But how many of us think, how does Allah want me to respond? And that's a very, very powerful factor once you are able to do that. But you have to be able to think at that point in time before you send a response, before you respond that, what does Allah want me to do here? All the time, I, you know, the last time it happened, I apologized. The Prophet ﷺ did say that the person who starts off the salam, who tries to reconcile, who drops an argument, is the better of the two. Right? Uh, that's the hadith. That, that's what we get from the hadith. So that's why I'm going to do it. Shaitan will say, "No, but you're always apologizing. Let them apologize one day. You're spoiling them. Maybe you are. I don't know. In some cases, you might be. So don't spoil them. You know, you do have. You can give a response once. But can you see how it's such a powerful factor?" Is such a selfless, uh, it allows a person to think uh, higher than oneself. And if both spouses can start doing that, then it's beautiful. And you can tell them, this is the reason I'm doing this. I'm doing this for the sake of Allah. Right? Not in an argumentative tone, but saying, look, this is what I'm going to do because this is what Allah wants. That's how you teach somebody else to do the same thing. So it's extremely liberating, extremely powerful, and you get reward for doing so because for, for Allah. And then eventually when people see that there's a selflessness, that this person believes in the truth. And what is arrogance, by the way? You know the famous hadith where the Prophet ﷺ talked about the evil of arrogance and showing off. So a person came and he said, you know, there's some people who like everything about them to be the best. Best means very good. I said, even the way the straps are of their sandal. They like them to be really good. Is that arrogance? He said, no, that's not arrogance. Allah, that's just Allah's ni'mah that the person is expressing. Arrogance is 
بطر الحق وغمت الناس is to repel the truth, not accept the truth when you see it. Because it then will put me down if I show that I'm wrong. There's no taqwa there, can you see? There's no taqwa there because you've not thought, what would Allah think? I'm thinking what I, what's going to become of me? And people will see that. People will see that. How one of the most um, telling features of somebody is when they got something wrong and how they deal with the wrong. How they deal with it when they're corrected. That just really tells you what a person is. Like if something has been pointed out, they've been corrected, how do you deal with it? Like for example, if I say something in a talk and somebody comes up after me and says, Sheikh, you said this and this, and I realize that, how do I deal with that? Should I become defensive and say, and say, oh, but I thought it was this and I was looking at it this way and that, and I could do that and that will really disappoint you, right? And the other way for me to say is, Jazakallah, that's a really good idea. You know, I, I appreciate that. Yes, you're right. You're right. It is that way. You are absolutely right. That, that is that way. Do I become any lesser when I say that? I'll probably increase in karama, in honor, right? Then if I become defensive, why do I become defensive? Because I'm trying to protect my honor. But I'm not getting any. I'm actually becoming dishonorable by actually being defensive. And rather, if I accept my mistake... You know, then I think that's going to give me more honor. And that's exactly what it is. And why should I do that? Because it's the truth. So I think people have just got it wrong. You know, it just, the, this self-interest, self-love, it's blinding us. I mean, it is, it's difficult if you're not self, if, if we're not selfless by nature, Right? If Allah has created us selfless, it's something that are very selfless, they're just willing to, they, they actually have no selfishness in them, or not much. It's easy for them, they have other challenges. Right? They become a bit too selfless. Right? They have other challenges, everybody has a challenge. That's why it needs to all be tempered by taqwa. I hope that's, uh, I hope that's useful, I, I think that, that's uh, really, really useful to, to know this. That you're going to have honor, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're going to have honor. And if Allah gives honor to somebody, then people will honor that person. Because Allah lets it be spread. I mean, why would Allah honor somebody and nobody else honors them? Well, maybe that might be a possibility. Then he says, And I found, you see, in our Sharia, one of the praiseworthy traits is to be forbearing. It's called Hilm. Hilm is a very powerful word in Arabic. Halim, Halima. Right? The Prophet's wetness was called Halima, Sa'diyya. Hilm means forbearance. Calculated patience, I would say. Right? Considered, well considered patience. Not naivety. Not being gullible. But being patient. Not reacting without thought. Not being hasty. All of this is Hilm. They call it forbearance, they call it clemency, but it's a form of patience. That you don't react to everything. You can't fight every battle. Everybody that maybe drives a bit weird on the road and affects you, you can't have a fight with everybody. You're probably never going to see that guy again. 
today I was getting off the, the roundabout onto the exit. It's my lane. And there's a guy in another one and he sees me coming and he still pushes in, causing me to break a bit. So now you feel like I need to teach him a lesson so he doesn't do it again. You know, because if they keep doing that one day, they're going to cause a problem, right? Because it's a risk you take. And I'd already beeped because when I saw him, I was like, do you know what you're doing? Like, I've already beeped. And then after that, he just put his two lights on and carried on. He said, sorry, you know. But I thought it was still very pushy. So I thought, should I kind of? I said, I'm never going to see this guy again. Inshallah, he's learned a lesson. Because you do learn a lesson. If you try something like that and somebody beeps at you, it does make you think unless you're just very belligerent. You don't care. Then, then you'll probably start swearing at you if you did try to tell him anything anyway. You can't fight every battle, can you? Again, that's just like I'm going to be occupied with that. I might end up doing something else on the road if I try to kind of go by him and say, you know, uh, other people, they make other signs, you know, when, when you cut them off or something like that. Um, so, subhanallah. You can't fight every battle in this world. You know, you have to choose your battles. That is called hilm. The more patient you are. The Prophet was amazingly halim when it came to his personal self, right? That doesn't mean you be naive or whatever, but it's just this very dignified patience, dignified perseverance, dignified self-control. That's what hilm is. So he says that that's what I found. If you want to be halim, you have to start with patience because it is patience. It's a, it's a special form of patience. It's what you reach when you're patient in the right way, in the right places. And you know how to pick your battles. And then he says, wa. And I've seen intelligence in them trying to... Be, uh, sorry, I, I, I've seen, I've observed, and I know that if somebody wants to be considered intelligent, that they seek to beautify themselves. When you seek to beautify yourself, you need intelligence to put that into action. And this is not just shallow beauty of the exterior by getting nicer clothing or a nicer grooming, right? To show yourself as being some kind of suave individual, you know? This is more about beauty in character and everything about is jameel and Allah loves jamal. Allah is jameel and He loves jamal. Allah is beautiful and He likes beauty. Allah is elegant and He likes elegance. This is a religiously motivated elegance. This is not an elegance uh, of the model type, you know, the hero type. This is, this is a, a spiritual elegance, right? This is a spiritual elegance. And he says, I've seen that if somebody wants to become beloved and be a recipient of love and a giver of love, a loving individual, which is a big part of our deen because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wadud. Allah is the most loving. And love is a very important aspect of our deen. So, وَمَوَدَّتَهُ تَجَاوُزَهُ وَعَفْوَهُ If he wants to develop this love, because love is an important part of our faith, Love for Allah, love for His Messenger, love for the creation of Allah, because they are the creation of Allah. Not selfish love again, it's selfless love for the sake of Allah. Is tajawuzahu wa afuhu, which is His pardoning and His forgiveness. Overlooking something in a calculated way, 
in an elegant way and in a noble way. Not um, because you can't do anything anyway, or not in a gullible way that you let then people walk all over you, but in a way that is extremely befitting and honorable, a dignified way of tajawuz and afu, which is pardoning somebody. Again, don't try to fight every battle. You don't need to be part of it. You don't need to, res you don't need to respond to everything, especially if it's of no benefit. So tajawuzahu wa afuahu. وَشَرَفَهُ تَوَادُعُهُ وَرِفْقُهُ A lot of these are related. So he's saying, and for a person to be considered humble, because you know, he's going on the understanding that people already know that the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned the, the virtues of uh, love and intelligence. I mean, people know intelligence is a good thing. And honor. So the best way to become, uh, to have honor and... Uh, وَشَرَفَهُ تَوَادُعُهُ وَرِفْقَ If you want to be, have sharafat. This is a praiseworthy honor. A praiseworthy, dignified state. So some people can be dignified because of their material wealth, that people are in awe of them for that reason. That is a material wealth. Then there's some people who don't maybe have enough material. They may have. But the honor there is for a different reason. It's because of the, the merits that they possess. So he's saying that if that's what you want, then you're going to get that through two things. Tawadu, humility, and rifq, which means gentleness. Humility and gentleness. If somebody has that, they'll avoid a lot of... As I said, it's all related to the big idea at the top. So they... Humility, I said humility is the opposite of arrogance which we spoke about earlier which is to not accept the truth and that was ghamtun nas, batrul haq and ghamtun nas. Batrul haq means to repel the truth and stay on your falsehood even though you, you see it, you notice it. And the other one is ghamtun nas which means to belittle people, to think people as lowly. How do you get away with that when you know that there's somebody who is lesser than you in some? They have less money than you. Or they have less knowledge than you. They have less expertise than you. Then what do you do with that? Is that belittling somebody? Because, I mean, it's a fact, right? It's a fact, like, somebody's come to study with you, so it's obvious, they have less knowledge. Does that, is that belittling somebody? No. Belittling somebody is when you think you're more superior in the sight of Allah. Somebody could recognize that they've got more of something than others, but that does not make them a superior individual, not even a superior human being. Right? Because it all matters as to how we're going to go from this world and what ultimately happens in the next world. So that's the real test of it. So that's why if you hear somebody saying, think of yourself as low as possible, and you're like, how do I do that when I know I've got some qualities that are better than others? Well, it's in the sight of Allah. Because we don't really know until we die. And then once we're dead, then who are you going to, you know, where are you going to give the argument? You know, it's too late then. So it's in this world. Sometimes I go into the masjid and I see some people who I don't see as practicing in terms of their, maybe their external. But they are always in the first saf of the masjid. They're all there, all five prayers. And I'm like, subhanAllah, this guy is much better than me. Even though I probably got more knowledge than him. Right? I teach Bukhari. He, he probably just reads Quran. 
doesn't know Arabic, but I think he's better than me because he's got something, subhanAllah, that I would love to have, that to be able to do that in, with the diligence that he has to do it with. So compare yourself in that sense, it just makes it easier. I wish we can do that for everything we do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the author for giving us this advice and Allah allow us to be uh, recipients of this advice in a way that we are able to bring it into action and we benefit ourselves and hopefully we can be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be, be honorable human beings in the true sense of the honor. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منا لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا وهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات اللهم اغفر لموتانا المسلمين الذين شهدونك بالوحدانية وماتوا على ذلك اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا اللهم اغفر لنا ولوالدينا ولمشائخنا ولأساتذتنا ولطلابنا ولإخواننا ولأخواتنا ولأصدقائنا ولأزواجنا ولأولادنا ولكل من له حق علينا ولكل من أوصانا بالدعاء اللهم ارحمهم وعافهم واعف عنهم اللهم اغفر اللهم تجاوز اللهم اهدنا واهد بنا واجعلنا هداة لمن اهتدى اللهم إنا نسألك تمام العافية ودوام العافية والشكر العافية يا الله we ask you from your love from your generosity from your blessings from your mercy from your forgiveness grant us forgiveness purify us oh Allah cleanse us oh Allah forgive us oh Allah protect us oh Allah grant us beneficial knowledge oh Allah grant us the ability to serve your deen O Allah, grant us the ability to understand ourselves, O Allah, and to eradicate our vices, our wrongs, our indulgences, our excesses, O Allah, our shortcomings, O Allah, our transgressions. Ya Allah, forgive us for our heedlessness, for our negligence, for our distractions, O Allah, for our wrong obsessions, O Allah, imbibe in us the praiseworthy traits. O oh Allah, what we discussed today, O oh Allah, grant us the ability to imbibe ourselves with the best of character, to be ennobled in your sight. O oh Allah, to be truly ennobled, and O oh Allah, to gain the best of character and to avoid the blameworthy traits and the problem, problematic character. Allow us to avoid that which does not concern us. O oh Allah, allow us not to be naive, not to be gullible, not to be obsessive about the wrong things. O oh Allah, grant us the ability to work for a higher motive. O oh Allah, to focus on the next world as well. And O oh Allah, to focus on investing and building for the next world. O oh Allah, accept us coming together here today. O oh Allah, allow, grant us blessing and barakah in our needs, in our chores, in what we need to do, and allow them to be completed. O oh Allah, protect us from the harms which are out there from the difficulties and the fitness and the problems. And O oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen. O oh Allah, send your abundant blessings on our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbik, rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wa salamun alayhi The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, 
so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.